Welcome to the Strong Sassy Single Mom Podcast. I'm Josie Smith. I'm a single mom of teens, personal growth junkie, entrepreneur and business owner, writer, creator, and coach. You don't have to be a single parent to get value out of this podcast, but if you are, I'm here to remind you that you're not alone in the journey. And I'm here to help you remind yourself who you are, to reclaim your identity, and grow your confidence as a parent, to help you with the strategies to manage your time, your finances, and your personal relationships, to help you rediscover yourself beyond the roles you've taken on, and to reconnect with yourself on a deeper level so you can create the life for yourself and for your family that you've always dreamed of. Because you deserve it. In this podcast, you'll find a combination of real, tangible strategies you can implement in your life, as well as the tools to help you navigate some of the deep inner work that needs to take place in order to take your identity and your life to the next level. We are digging into all of it. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, guys, I may just have to make this a permanent part of my introduction, but if you listen to any of my episodes, you might know that you may hear some language in some of these episodes, and if you have small kids around and that bothers you, you might want to just pop in some headphones before we get started. In one of my single moms groups, I asked the question, if there was one thing about being a single mom that you could change, what would it be? And I was initially really surprised at the most common response, but thinking more about it, it actually shouldn't have surprised me all that much because single moms are overwhelmingly independent and resourceful. And so it actually makes a lot of sense. But the most common response of the single moms in this group dealt with some version of wanting to start their own business, some version of wanting to be an entrepreneur, but just having too many obstacles in the way of actually doing it, whether that be time, money, the right network, enough energy, or just not knowing where to start or how to do it. Something like, I've always wanted to start my own business, but I don't have time as a single mom. Or I can't afford to leave my full-time job as a single mom, but I've always wanted to start my own business. Or I have this dream to do this thing, but I just can't take any more attention away from my kids because I already spend so much time at work and I already feel like I don't have enough of myself left to give them. So I wanted to spend some time answering the question, can you be an entrepreneur if you are a mom? And especially if you're a single mom. I'm going to break this up and answer it in two parts. First, I want to talk about how you know if you're actually made to be an entrepreneur. And then I'll dig into whether or not you actually can be an entrepreneur if you're a mom and even if you're a single mom. I believe wholeheartedly that anyone can be an entrepreneur. 
but that doesn't mean I believe everyone should be an entrepreneur. While I believe everyone has the capability of exploring entrepreneurship, not everyone has the desire. If you don't have the desire, don't do it. Simple as that. Entrepreneurship takes a lot of energy, a lot of intentional focus, and a lot of running into walls, falling down, picking yourself back up. It requires discipline and consistency and doing things that don't always feel fun in order to achieve some kind of payoff months or even years down the road. You have to be willing to invest the energy into doing a lot of work with little to no immediate return. And if you don't want to do that, that's totally okay, but that's a good sign that entrepreneurship might not be for you. There's a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress that goes with being an entrepreneur. You can't necessarily finish your day at five o'clock, leave the office, go home, turn on mom mode to full focus, especially in the beginning when you're building something from scratch. And especially if you're trying to build something from scratch while also working a nine to five, because it becomes really, really hard sometimes to shift your focus and your energy from being an employee for eight or nine hours a day and then having to split the remaining few hours you have left in the evenings or in the mornings between your kids and your business without feeling like you're neglecting one of them. It can get really overwhelming and really exhausting. And not everybody wants to even attempt to take that on. And that's okay. People talk about entrepreneurship providing freedom and it can for sure, but so can working a typical nine to five job. It all depends on what freedom means to you, what's important to you, and what you are willing or able to sacrifice to achieve that freedom. A typical nine to five job provides the freedom of knowing exactly when you're gonna be working, exactly when you're not. It provides a stable paycheck. You know when it's coming and how much it's going to be, and you can typically forget about work when you leave at the end of the day. You can shut that part of your brain off and just focus on your family when you leave work. And some people really value that. That's really important to a lot of people. The type of freedom that entrepreneurship provides is completely different. Because in the beginning, it doesn't feel like you have freedom at all. Especially if you're starting something on the side while you're also still working a full-time job. You get off work, you come home, and you work some more. And because you're home, a lot of times is where you do this work, but it's also where your family is, it can be really challenging to maintain focus where you need that focus in any given moment. There's definitely ways to manage that and to maintain what people like to call balance, but I'm not gonna talk about that today. I'll do an entirely separate episode on that. Right now, we are just talking about whether or not this is something that is worth your energy to you. 
the actual freedom that entrepreneurship provides comes way later. After you've invested the blood, the sweat, the tears into building something that can not only sustain your family, but that can give your family what you need to thrive. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you've either known it your entire life or it just hits you at some point in your journey when you see someone doing something that you never that you never even considered was possible, like it was never on your radar. And you feel this undeniable spark like in your gut or in your soul and you have this awakening that this new possibility is something you just have to learn more about. I'll share my experience and maybe you can relate to it. I didn't know the word entrepreneur as a kid. The first time I even heard the word entrepreneur was in like fourth grade, maybe when we took a course called junior achievement in school. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's something they still do in elementary school, but I remember learning what an entrepreneur was in junior achievement. And like, it just resonated. It's unfortunate, though, because at that time, beyond the junior achievement program, entrepreneurship was it was never talked about in school. The career options that were available to consider to the knowledge of a fourth grader were like teacher, lawyer, doctor, police officer, an astronaut. Which is funny thinking back how many kids wanted to be an astronaut one day. It was like super common, right? When you talked about what you wanted to be when you grew up, there was always somebody or even a few people who always said astronaut. But like, do you know a single person in your life right now as an adult who's actually an astronaut? Because I don't. Anyway, that was a tangent. Sorry. Entrepreneurship and junior achievement. That was the only time I ever remember talking about what an entrepreneur was as a kid. But I know a lot more entrepreneurs now in my life than astronauts. Even though we didn't really talk about entrepreneurship, I can look back and see that I just had that in me as a kid. Like a lot of kids, I would have the typical lemonade stands, except at my house, we rarely actually had lemonade, probably because it was too expensive. So we did Kool-Aid stands. But my mom always made Kool-Aid with like half the amount of sugar that it actually called for. So our Kool-Aid was really bitter. And I never could figure out why the Kool-Aid at my friend's houses always tasted so much better. And I can't imagine how those poor people who actually bought from our Kool-Aid stand managed to choke it down, but we kept trying to sell it. I'm sure we never had any repeat customers. We would also tear pages out of coloring books and we would color them or paint them or we draw or paint something from scratch and we would have an art sale at the end of the driveway and we would try to stop cars driving up and down the street to sell them our art. Another thing we tried selling was rocks. We literally took rocks right out of our parents' yards like the ones lining the flower gardens or the window wells and we would paint them and try to sell them back to them, or we'd try to sell them to the neighbors. I don't even think our own moms ever 
bought our painted rocks, but we kept at it until a new, better idea came to us. My all-time favorite, when I think back now as an adult, the one that makes me laugh the most. So when I was a kid, we lived at the top of a pretty steep hill. And most of the houses on the block also had a really steep hill in the backyard. And a lot of the hills in people's yards were broken up with levels of terraces. And some of them had like little rock wall, <clears throat> little rock walls at each level. And some of them had walls made out of railroad ties, those giant hunks of wood stacked on top of each other to make a wall to support the hills in the yards. I grew up in the Midwest. I still live in the Midwest. Don't ask me why, because I don't know. It's literally like negative 14 degrees right now, and I would pack up and move this very second, but that would probably require me to go outside. So anyway, I grew up here in Nebraska, and in Nebraska, there is a type of snake that is super common just in a typical backyard, especially backyards with like really big gardens or overgrown weeds or any good place for snakes to hide like underneath sheds or behind walls made of railroad ties. And this particular type of snake is called a garter snake. They grow to like two feet long. You can maybe find one that's three feet long, but that would be really a big one. Most of the time they're like one and a half to two feet long. So as kids, what we would do we would get an empty five gallon bucket out of my dad's garage or shed and we would go into the backyards of our, our backyards or the neighbor's backyards and we would hunt for these snakes that were hiding in the railroad ties in the terrace walls built into the hills and we would capture the snakes and collect them in our buckets and then you guys are going to die we would go door to door and try to sell these snakes to people as pets. Now, if you live in the Midwest or anywhere where you might have encountered one of these garter snakes, you know they are mean. They are a super aggressive type of snake. Like, you can't tame these things. They will bite your face off. They're not poisonous and they don't get terribly big. Like I said, if they get to be three feet long, that's a big snake. So it's not like they can do a lot of damage, but they do have fangs and they will bite the shit out of you. Like they will straight up attack you for just standing too close to them. So imagine how they might react when you're trying to drag them out of their cozy little holes in the side of a hill on a hot summer day. So we would have like bleeding fang marks on our hands and arms carrying around this bucket of demon snakes door to door to people's houses, trying to sell them as pets. Like if that's not the epitome of the entrepreneurial spirit, I do not know what is. But like we did not care what people thought. We didn't care that literally every single person said no, and it never crossed our minds that we were legit crazy. We were fearless. What mattered was that we were having fun. We had an idea that sounded exciting and it was something nobody else was doing. And the prospect of making money was 
obviously always appealing. And we would try literally any idea that popped into our heads if we thought there was a chance it could make us money. So we went for it. And we were too busy executing our plan and having fun to actually be worried about what people thought of what we were doing. And we would keep at our plan for as long as we could trying to make it work. And when something didn't work after going for it for a while, we'd come up with a new plan and try something we thought was better. But we were relentless and we never gave up. Now that is the kind of spirit you need as an entrepreneur. Now there's something called market research and making sure your business idea is actually viable. And as an adult entrepreneur, you might wanna take that into consideration too. I don't recommend selling garter snakes as pets because they're assholes and nobody wants them. But if you come up with a viable idea that is something people are actually interested in, you have to have the fearlessness to just go for it with everything you've got and not give a shit what anybody else thinks about what you're doing. So if you're listening and you just know or you feel in your bones that you are supposed to be an entrepreneur, maybe you've even dipped your toes in the entrepreneurial pond. Actually, it's probably not a pond. It's probably more of a swamp with alligators and really rude snakes. But if you're like, okay, I know this is something I'm capable of and I know it's going to take some time to build, but how do I even manage to do that as a mom, especially as a single mom? Is it even possible? It is. If you have the desire and you know you have it in you, that's the first step. The second step, you need to find your why. You need to find the reason, the purpose, the motivation, the thing that fuels you, the thing that's going to keep you going when shit gets hard, when nobody seems to like your bitter Kool-Aid and you keep getting bit over and over again by garter snakes. Because if you don't have a deep enough, strong enough, purposeful enough why, you are going to come to a point when it gets too hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're going to want to quit. And if you need some guidance on finding your why, go back and listen to episode number seven. Literally just last week, I talked about this in depth. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's literally like two episodes back. So if you haven't listened to that one, once you get through this episode, go listen to episode seven. And then you need to set some realistic expectations for yourself. You're not going to be able to work eight hours at a full-time job, come home, cook dinner, help with homework, wash dishes, do laundry, do bath time, bedtime, and then work another eight hours after the kids go to bed. You're going to have to take a realistic look at your schedule. You're going to have to find the little pockets of time that you have in your day and be very intentional about scheduling time to work on your business. This might be setting your alarm 30 minutes earlier in the morning to get in some work before you wake up the kids for school. This might look like not watching two hours of Netflix after the kids are in bed and instead spending that part of your evening working on your business. This might look like sitting in a cafe or a Starbucks over the lunch hour that you get at your full-time job and getting some work done on your business. You're going to have to take a very intentional look 
at how you spend your time outside of your job and outside of the time with your kids and then deciding what can go. Depending on how old your kids are, you could have a weekly movie night where you order a pizza and eat on paper plates so you don't have to cook dinner or wash dishes and pop in a movie for the kids and just work on your laptop while the movie plays. It's important that you have consistency. But consistency does not mean that every day has to look the same. You could say, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to work on my business over my lunch hour. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier and do some work in the mornings. Friday evening, we'll do a pizza night and watch a movie, and I'll work while my kids watch the movie, and maybe Saturday afternoon, I give myself a significant four-hour block of time where I'm just going to focus intently on one particular project. When my kids were younger, we had this indoor playground here in town with like tunnels and slides and nets and climbing ropes and ladders. It was like this huge indoor jungle gym. And my kids could play in this thing for hours. I would take my laptop and whatever I was working on and pay the six bucks or whatever it was for each kid to get in and play. And I could get so much done while they ran around and climbed on shit and wore themselves out. They didn't care that I was sitting at a nearby table working. They were having fun, playing with other kids, getting out of the house, doing something different. Another thing you could do is swap childcare time with another mom. If you know another mom who's either trying to do what you're doing, building a business, or maybe she's going back to school, or maybe she just wants a couple of hours to do some shopping by herself on a Saturday afternoon, you can offer to swap kids once or twice a month for a few hours. Maybe the first Saturday of every month, you offer to have all the kids for a few hours so she can get some things done. And then the third Saturday of every month, she takes the kids so you can get some things done. And maybe even once a month, you guys could get together with the two of you and all the kids and actually get some collective mom time and just hang out and chat because we can't forget to carve out time for ourselves too, especially if we have all these responsibilities, working a full-time job, taking care of kids, building a business. If we don't make time to put all of it down and just relax a little bit, we will get overwhelmed and burned out. You guys, even though I have known with every fiber of my being from the time I started canvassing my neighborhood as a kid, trying to convince my neighbors to give me money for a bucket full of aggressive reptiles that were most likely dug out of their own backyards to begin with, I have always just inherently known that I was an entrepreneur. Even when I didn't know the word entrepreneur, I knew that's what I was. But somewhere along the line, the world taught me that wasn't actually a viable path. That I needed to be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or an astronaut. An entrepreneur wasn't a real thing that I saw represented in the real world. Nobody made career day posters with entrepreneur written across the top. And so I fell in line, followed everybody else as they went on to college. I switched my major from business to accounting to psychology and even to English 
because nothing ever felt right enough to stick with. My theater classes and my public speaking classes were my respite. I took as many of those as I could sprinkle in, but those weren't things you could build a career out of. Not then. I started my first professional job in 1996, but by 2003, I was already trying to build side gigs. I desperately wanted to believe that I could build something on my own. But every time I hit an obstacle, it reinforced what the world had taught me, that being an entrepreneur wasn't actually a real thing. It wasn't an achievable dream. It was all make-believe. And I kept letting the world win. I kept letting the world tell me I couldn't have, I couldn't do the very thing I was created to do. But today, 20 years after my first grown-up attempt at entrepreneurship, and over 30 years since my rock painting snake wrangling days, I want to tell you, I have had the honor and the privilege of meeting and speaking with a lot of very successful, high-performing entrepreneurial women over the past year. And I have been absolutely amazed at just how many of them built their businesses, businesses that are now extremely successful and make the multiple six and seven figures every single year. How many of them built those businesses as single moms? Sometimes living in the basement of a friend's house, sharing a queen size bed with their daughter or fighting to keep a house they couldn't see any way of being able to afford after going through a traumatic divorce or actually losing that house, having to file bankruptcy and having to start all over at zero with absolutely nothing. It has absolutely blown me away to hear the countless stories of so many women who have built an empire with everything stacked against them. So can you be an entrepreneur and build a highly successful business if you're a single mom? Absolutely. The real question you need to answer though isn't can you, it's do you want to? Because if it's something you want, you most definitely can. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong Sassy Single Mom podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And be sure to tag me so I can share you in my stories too. And if anything I talked about today really spoke to you, send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. As always, it's been an honor to have this conversation with you today. And until next time, you got this.